0: All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome here. If you did not receive one of these when you came into the room, just raise your hand. Joe is at the back. If you'd like to celebrate communion with us, you did not receive one of these cups, just raise your hand. Joe will distribute those. And you at home, you might want to go grab some bread, some juice, some crackers, and prepare because at the end of the sermon, we're going to celebrate communion together. So we welcome you online to join those of us present here and as we remember our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Together. So that's coming up. So, those of you online, just go, go on and get ready for that as we prepare um, for communion at the end of the service. You know, Wednesday nights is not a new idea. Uh, early in the history of new life, this is what they would do they would go to the park. And in the 90s, this was unheard of. What church meets in the park? What church meets on Wednesday nights? So, understand. <laughs> What we're doing is not new. We're just recycling an old idea, which comes to the core of why this church exists. To be a church for unchurched people. Where you can bring your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, your tatted up, you know, basketball player, whatever. It doesn't matter. Piercings, you know, issues in your life. Who cares? Come to new life because we believe what Jesus offers to, to everyone is life-changing. And so that is the core of our church. If you came from another church to here, and, and a lot of you, like myself, even in the last three years, I came here, so you may have come from a different idea of church, and that's okay. We're not dissing any other church, but this church exists to be a place where people can come and experience the life transformation of Jesus Christ. And that's the whole idea of the Soul Revolution series. And this summer, we're just ramping it up even more and saying, like, this is good news. Good news. And we think coming to church should actually be fun. <laughs> should be enjoyable. should be something your kids actually look forward to. That's, that's what we want it to be. Uh, I, I, this is, and it's not, it's, not, it's not entertainment, I get you, but it is fun. And I believe people are looking for a place to connect, where people actually care about love them, minister to them. I mean, we see it happening in a microcosm way in our youth group right now. I mean, Pastor Elijah and Abigail have created a culture there where where people are welcome, where it's fun to be there, where they're engaging with the truth about Jesus Christ. And so we're just building that up on a bigger scale for the adults, for the children, and that's why we exist. And so we're coming now to the Soul Revolution idea. What do you have to offer? You came to church today with a bag. You don't know that, but you, you got something. You came. Each of you has something. Each of you brings something to church. Now, you think, I, don't, I got nothing. <laughs> I mean, Pastor Mike, you, you, you were obviously, you know, you, you've got something, and, and the team has something, all these musicians have something, the, the team downstairs serving has something, but, but you actually have something to offer, and we're going to get there as we look today at Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. And before we come to the God's word, would you pray with me as we seek to learn from him today? Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts. You know our needs. And we bring these to you now. Jesus, would you guide us to your presence? Spirit, would you speak to us as we look at this word of God? Transform us and Remind us really what you think of us from this text. Give us a greater vision of what Jesus can do in and through our lives today. We pray this in his name. Amen. It says in verse 30, The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. They had been on this great mission, sharing the good news, casting out demons, healing people, and teaching. Teaching. Mark is critical to mention to you and to me that wherever Jesus went and his disciples, they were teaching. They did other stuff, but the primary focus was, let's teach people. We'll get there in a moment. But they tell him, look, look, that's all we did. This is what we taught. And then Jesus says in verse 31, he said to them, come with me privately to an isolated place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and there was no time to eat What a a horrible tragedy, eh? No time to eat. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. I mean, you're so busy, you can't eat. And Jesus says, the reality is, and he's reminding us, kingdom work is never done. Never done. I mean, you you know, that's why, like, Pastor Frank and myself, Pastor Elijah, like, we love going home and cutting our grass. Why? Because you start and you finish. You know, Frank likes to cook. You know, you start. And you finish a meal, you know, you wash dishes. You start, and they're they're dirty and they're clean. But but when it comes to working with people, it's not like that. It's like raising kids, right? You never actually finish, right? Like, they, you know, they, they're, they're at every stage, and you know, even as adults, it just never. It's always something new and different, and, and that's part of just growing and life. And Jesus is speaking to their humanity here, and he says, you know, it's okay to step aside and take a rest. He uses several words there. Uh, privately, isolated, rest. And it says in verse 32, so they went away by themselves to in a boat to some remote place. They just want to get away. I've spent some time on Cold Lake in my father-in-law's boat. And it's interesting how you get out on Cold Lake and then you'll, you'll come to a little bay there. This is a place where you cannot access it from land. And there's, a, there's someone in their boat. They've pulled their boat up there and they put out launchers and they're just sitting on a beach in the middle of nowhere on Cold Lake. And you're like, why are they doing that? Because they just want to get away from people. And it's just them on the beach. No one else can get to them, no one can hike through to get them. They're, they're just privately sitting there on the beach. He's like, look, guys, let's get away, let's have some rest. And they're like, okay, and they're going to have this wonderful vacation. And something happens. <laughs> Verse 33. But many saw them leaving and recognized them and they hurried on foot from all the towns and arrived there ahead of them hey did you see who just got in that boat Jesus, and said, you know the guys that were just out preaching and healing, and oh yeah, you know, and, and so you can just imagine it's not a it's not a very big lake, the Sea of Galilee, you know, and so so they can see it. So so there's a boat going across the water, and these guys are running, you know, getting there. Oh, we meet you, you know, and depending how the winds were, and you know, but so there you are. Yeah, we're going for a holiday, we're going for our break, and they get there, and boom. I don't know if you ever watched that movie. What about Bob? You know, uh, Bill Murray. You know, like the. the psychologist goes on holidays and then Bob shows up, his client, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's a, it's a nightmare movie. Like, especially if you're a counselor, it's like, ah, oh, you know, worst nightmare. And there's Bob there and he's all excited and the psychologist family loves Bob. But, you know, Bob and the psychologist's like, I can't believe this. You know, I, I go on holiday to get away from it. And this is what's happening here. They're trying to get away from the crowd. The crowd beats them there and there they are. Now understand, there probably would have been some sense of exhilaration in the mission that the disciples had just been on. Almost addictive exhilaration. I mean, some of you understand this. If you've ever, you know, you know played on a competitive sports team or, or been in a real tight project where, where, you know, you had accomplished deadlines and you get to the end, and it's like, oh, that was so, so you know, invigorating and maybe you work out and that's sort of, you hit your goals and, and so on and so forth. And it, there was a certain thing about ministry that is addictive when you're helping people and, and you feel good when you're helping people and, and wow, look what was happening. And, 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 but Jesus says, I know that you guys are human. You have limitations. I need to provide you an opportunity to rest and refresh and renew. But they get to the shore and there's the crowd. It says in verse 34, as Jesus came ashore, he saw the large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. Jesus doesn't see this as a horrible thing. The crowd is not negative to Jesus, to, to us. It's like, well, that's, that's annoying. That's frustrating. That's disappointing. But Jesus looks at this massive group of people and just says, man, these people are so lost, you know, in, in Western terms, we'd call these mavericks. You know, these, these are, are steers or cows that have, have wandered away from the, the, the herd and have gone off into the bush and become wild. And they're just, they roam around. And, and you know, adventurous cowboys would come along and rope them and haul them into, you know, to, to market. But they're really hard to get. And, and Jesus looks and he's like, here's all these sheep. They've been wandering around. What happens when sheep don't have a shepherd? They're, they're vulnerable. They're diseased. They're, they're wool. Actually, my son showed me a picture of this last week of the sheep that got lost. And for six years, the sheep lived in the wool, and it was so thick. It was just a big, like, big cotton ball that even the predators couldn't eat it because it was, like, every time they bit on it, it was just, like, big wool, right? So you can just imagine, you know, like, you're, there's this huge, you know, you know, cotton ball, and Jesus is, like, I just see these people, and they're just so lost. The word compassion is that word that describes that inner feeling of concern that leads to practical action. Same term used in Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. When the Samaritan passes by the man beaten and bloody on the road, he says he had compassion on him. He felt emotional urges that led to practical action to assist this man in his point of need. Jesus looks and says, man, I just feel for these people. You know when you watch... TV, especially some of the major cities in the world. I'm thinking of New York, right? And you just see people walking, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, just Times Square, just milling around, Grand Central Station, you know. And you you know, if you you know, some of you have been other places in the world, and you you understand what I mean. Just masses of people. We look at it and say, "Oh, that is like crazy. Just get me out into the bush, you know, get me to a lake somewhere." But Jesus looks at him and says, "Man, these people are needy." So he taught them many things. It's easier to feed people, to clothe them, to, you know, help them practically build houses. But Jesus goes beyond the surface to the soul matters. He teaches them. Um, and, and, And I love social action and doing things for people. I mean, I, th- I mean, I sponsor kids and my, our family does. I mean, we, we believe in, in practical hands-on stuff. But Jesus says, that's great, but the real need, the, the, the reason they're wandering is because they need that soul revolution. They need to understand about the kingdom of God. We can feed and clothe and help, but we got to change the soul first. Even politics can't change people. Do you understand that? Jesus changes people. And we've kind of been dealing with this with the abortion issue since the 70s, right? Like, is it legalized and da-da-da? But, but at, the, at the heart of it is a, is a Christian's ethics of sexuality that, that is reflected in a healthy family and, and a husband and wife, you know, in, in a lifelong covenant. I mean, that reduces the need for abortion. It eliminates it, in fact. But it's a soul issue. It's... It's a deep issue of the soul. we see our world chasing all these, you know, deadening of their soul. And so they're looking for value and finding it in in all sorts of places. And Jesus comes into the middle of that mess, just like new life does, and says, come, let let me show you what God has to offer. A a better way, a different way, a, a new way that you didn't realize existed before. Let me direct you in that. Way And so these sheep are coming in and they're hearing and they're like, wow, this is exactly what I needed. I totally have been missing this my whole life. The danger is you can go to your church your whole life and miss it if you just kind of follow a moralistic pattern of behavior and thinking and doing the things churchy people do. And we don't want to be that kind of church. We want you to understand that the soul changes first and then from the soul comes life change and action. It gets late, verse 35. When it was already late, his disciples came to him and said, this is an isolated place, and it's already very late. Obvious points of of observation. (laughs) And so he said, they said in verse 36, send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. The disciples make some good empirical observations of the situation. It's late. The people are getting hangry. <laughs> Hunger and anger are mixing together. You know, like, like this crowd could get out of control if we don't deal with this. So, so we've, we've just made an assessment. The best thing for them to do is just go find some bakeries, find some little little kiosks on the side of the road, buy themselves something to eat, and then everyone will be okay. This is our solution. Literally, the disciples are telling Jesus what to do. Send them away. Sometimes when the pressure of people comes on, you, you want to say that to God. You know, God, would you just send them away? Would you, would you find somewhere else for them to, to, to do? I've heard pastors even say, it would be better if they went to another church, you know, and, and, and it's because it's the certain needs that that person presented was just beyond what they felt that they could offer right at the time. Send them away. And then Jesus surprisingly answers them in verse 37. You give them something to eat. You don't see it in your English translation, but it's emphatic. It's actually, you yourselves give them something to eat. He includes an extra pronoun there. You you don't have to. The Greek doesn't require that, but he does it for the sake of emphasis. You, you, you give them something to eat. And they're like, me? Who, me? Who, me? You're talking to me? Is there someone out here? Like, you give them something to eat. They have assessed the situation. They have kind of given a a general counting of the group of people, and they're like, whew, and here's their answer. And they said, should we go buy bread for 200 silver coins and give it to them to eat? I mean, they're kind of like, look, Jesus, even if we had basically eight months' salary hanging around us here, and we were to go and to buy everything we could find. Like, would we even have enough to feed all these people? They have looked at it practically. They have asked accountants to give us them a a clear, you know, statement of auditing, and, and this is what they've come up with. Understand this. Sometimes our earthly perspective is limited by the reality of it. We just see the facts. This is impossible. There's no way we could ever do this. In fact, this is what you would call in, in the business world, fire hosing. Right? When someone brings up an idea at the, t- at the table and you're just discussing and, and someone just comes up to the fire hose and turns it on, it's like, oh, that's a stupid idea. It costs too much. It'll never happen. You know, psh, you know here's the disciples. Jesus is like, who do you think you are? They like, okay, like, how, how are we going to do this? You know, they kind of throw out this like, snappy answers to, you know, to stupid questions kind of thing, right? Like, you know, you give them something to eat. Well, how are we, we going to do that? And then Jesus says, well, What do you have? And this is what they had. John tells us that a little boy brought his lunch to Jesus. Mark doesn't include that fact, but but that's, I mean, every gospel writer includes this story in their gospel, so it's an important one. It's like, well, how much do you have? Because this is the thing, we limit ourselves. We limit ourselves, I don't have anything. And God said, "No, you no, you have something. You have something. You brought something here today. You are not without anything." We make excuses because, "Well, I can't do that. I don't. I, I don't know." He's like, "You got something." And so we, he opens the bag, and uh, inside the bag he finds a smart mother <laughs> had packed five loaves. And two fish. (laughs) Two packages of sardines. There you go. I looked for some dried fish. We found some real fish, but I said, guys, they're going to be kind of stinky if I bring those out in service. So, you know, basically, but this is a poor man's lunch, right? I mean, a small family could share this together, you know, kind of wrap up a a sardine inside the the, the, the pita bread here. And and that's a nice little meal for a a, a small family, one family unit. That would get you through the day. and, And they're like, this is all we have. And the disciples would learn that all you have is everything that he needs. All you have is everything he needs. And so he says, he directed them, verse 39, to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they reclined in groups of hundreds. And 50s. He took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, it says, He gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to serve the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. So there he is, you know. Here, John, here Peter. Open up the sardines here. Here's one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you. And somehow, somehow, we're not told how this happened. Somehow they begin to, to share this food. The crowd is oblivious to what's going on. They don't know. They're just told to sit down, and all of a sudden there's a disciple handing out bread and fish. No clue. This miracle is for the disciple. They thought it would be impossible with what they had to take care of this situation. But they forgot who was with them. They missed the Jesus piece of the puzzle. They counted everyone except Jesus. You know, 5,000 men plus women and children, five loaves, two fish. They counted for everything, but they didn't account for Jesus right there. And when they gave all that they had to Jesus, It was everything he needed. He blesses it, and he begins to distribute to these groups of people. And the mystery is how it happened. And and Mark, Luke, John, no one, Matthew, no one gives us the details because that was just something for the disciples to (laughs) savor, for Jesus to know. But we know the results. He says, they all ate in verse 42... And we're satisfied. Could it be that Jesus would take all that we have and use us to minister and to satisfy the needs of those around us? Could it be that that the meager, paltry little lunches that we bring to Jesus can be multiplied to look after hundreds, maybe even thousands of people? And you think, all I got is this. And Jesus said, that's all I need. That's everything I need. You just bring me your lunch. Bring me your bag. And I'll do the rest. Through you. The story's not over. Verse 42, or 43. And they picked up broken pieces of fish that that were left over. Twelve baskets full. And now there were five thousand men who ate the bread. I mean, do, do you see what's happening here? He's handing out this, these little pieces at the beginning, and at the end they have baskets. Somehow, someone has produced some baskets, and they're collecting the leftovers. And each disciple comes back to Jesus with a full basket. Each and every disciple has their own, you know, bag, you know, basket. But it's not this; it's full each basket enough to feed probably all the disciples together. And there's 12 of them. And they're like, how did this happen? It all comes back to the guy who took him, thanked the Lord, and passed him out. Jesus makes the difference. And so that's what Pastor Frank was referring to earlier. When we invite you to participate with us on Wednesday nights— it's not because we, we, we need your help. It's because, because we believe you have something to offer. And we want you to participate in the miracles of salvation in Lloyd Minster with us. Church is not an event you just come to and watch. It's not a movie that you just sort of sit and watch and then leave. We're inviting you to be a participant in this type of a ministry. And you may think, well, all I got is half a sardine, and that's all Jesus needs. Bring it to him. Like, well, I can't teach kids or I can't sing like Tina and I can't play the guitar like Blake. I can't, I can't you know, do these things. And It's fine. You can roast hot dogs with Ethan. <laughs> you can help set up. You can help clean up. You can watch kids bounce around and, you know, hurt themselves on inflatable things. <laughs> right? You can come and just talk to people. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a ministry. That's you bringing your fish and your, and your bread and say, I'm going to come and just be friendly. That is you bringing your lunch. Caring, loving. I sat with this older lady, divorced, you know, just a, a bad story, physical issues, and, and she's like, I got nothing. You know, my, my bag is empty. I said, Well, you, you got a condo, don't you? Yeah, I got a condo. I said, You, you got a kettle? I got a kettle. You know, you got water? Yeah, I've got water. I'm like, well, make some tea. Invite a young mother over and just listen to her. Some people can't get off their own soapbox of complaining long enough to listen to someone else. She needed to get outside herself. Jesus said, this is our problem, disciples. Let's take care of it. They're like, no, that's their problem. Let them deal with their problems. Send them away. Jesus is like, no, let's minister to them. Here you go. He doesn't do it for them. Jesus could have snapped his finger and like manna would have appeared on the ground or all of a sudden everyone would have had like a happy meal on their laps or something. He could have done that. He didn't. Instead he prays. He hands it out to his disciples. Like get going guys. Get going, get going. And so here he is today. He's saying, okay disciples, get going, get going. It doesn't happen when we hold on to our lunch. But you know, the, the reality is, let's be honest. In a situation like this, Everyone's hungry and you've got a lunch. Wouldn't the temptation be to, to hoard your lunch? To hide it maybe? Kind of keep it for yourself because you're hungry and little sister's hungry and you don't want to have to, you know, give anything to anyone else because then you guys are going to be hungry, right? And, but no, he gives it all and it, in, in turn everyone eats, everyone's satisfied. It's amazing how when we get outside ourselves and offer what we have, God multiplies it and uses it for his glory and his kingdom. Amazing. Little, little offerings. And so there's men and women that that serve in, in inconspicuous ways. You can make coffee. Um, you know, my, my dad was a, a caretaker. He would clean. And, and he loved cleaning. And, and he... He didn't need anyone to see what he was doing, but he just loved when minister people could just walk in and it was ready to go. It's just little things. I mean, you might, I only got, I only got one piece. That's okay. I just got, I just got one can of stuff. I mean, that's okay. He'll take what you have, and he'll use it, and he'll multiply it, and he'll minister to the needs of people And so each of you has a lunch. Each of you has a a brown bag. And each of you, you know, God's blessed you with abilities, skills. And and he's like, I want to use you. So bring your lunch. Let's share it. Let's share it. It works with everything you have. It works with your time. It works with your abilities, your talents. And it works with your treasure, your money your finance. Some people are like, well, I'll give my time. I'll give my talents. But God's like, no, give, give me the trifecta. I want all three because <laughs> I can use and I work through all three of those together because each of those represents a part of your soul and a part of your control center and a part of your will and a part of your heart. And, and when I have your whole heart, then I really can use you. I really can. So you saw this video. Maybe you didn't. It's on your email. If you don't aren't on our email list, then sign up, talk to Abigail, and, and we'll get you on there. But uh, we're, we're behind financially right now. Uh, we're okay for now, but it's, it's like, okay, we're kind of looking at it. What's, what's happening? We're, the bag's getting a little empty. And it's funny because one of the people in our church saw that and, and was moved to write a check and look after a significant portion of our shortfall. One person who said, you know what, I got something, <laughs> and the bag is, is empty, so I'm, I'm going to help, I'm going to contribute, because she believes in the mission of, of this church so much, that she's willing to invest what she has, what she can to help. And everyone does that in, in some way, whether it be your $20 or your, you know, $20,000 or your $200,000 or your, your time, I mean, your abilities. I mean, I'm standing on, on, on fish and loaves right here, men and women that had skills and abilities that offered them to Jesus, to the praise of his glory and the betterment of his church, they said, we can do that. Those people probably don't want to be doing what I'm doing or what Frank does or what Elijah does, but they're like, I can do that. Now, you don't want me building this stage. <laughs> you know, be falling over, you know, and I'd be blood, blood everywhere. It would just be a disaster. But the scene, they brought their fish, they brought their loaf, and they did it. Downstairs at 9 and 11, men and women serve our kids, teaching them these stories. Women and men help sign in families and sign them out. Everyone is bringing a fish and a loaf and helping out, contributing. And so you do have something to offer. Don't shortchange yourself. (laughs) You bring a lunch. And you offer it to Jesus, and he says, okay, that's all I need. We have a whole city full of people that need Jesus. And we're inviting you to help us feed them this song. Not just hot dogs, (laughs) not just fun experiences, but to bring them the soul-transforming message of Jesus Christ. That comes with hot dogs and bouncy houses and coffee and all the other good stuff that that God wants us to enjoy, but at the core is like, yes, there is good news. Christ can change your life, and he does. He's changed ours. He can change yours. And that's why we celebrate communion today. Team's going to come up, and we're prepared to celebrate communion, but It's a reminder of the one who gave everything for us, who gave it all. I mean, the bread reminds us that his body was was offered for us. The blood reminds us that his life poured out on the cross for our sins. We partake of the bread and the cup to remind us that, that we're here today enjoying what we're enjoying because someone gave it all. And so when you give Jesus your paltry lunch, I mean, it seems so cheap compared to what He gave for us. But the beauty of it is, is He just He delights to use ordinary, (laughs) just plain people like you and me. You think, you know, I'm not a celebrity. I I I don't bring you know special skills. I'm not going to ever make the short list you know at America's Got Talent. But it doesn't matter. Jesus, like, just give me. But bring it to me because he's like, look, I, I gave you everything because I wanted you to be a part of me, what we're doing. So, so just keep serving me and just give me what you have and be surprised at what I can do in and through your life. And So the team's going to lead us in the first verse of the song, Preparation for Communion. It's a chance to just confess any sins you have, get right with God, and, and then we're going to partake together. You guys online too, just join us with your cup and your bread as we just remember what Jesus did for us, how he brought and gave us everything so that through through us, you know, he could continue this ministry. And so we're going to remember that. This is why we're doing Wednesday nights, because Christ is the answer. So team, lead us as we prepare ourselves for it.
1: forsaken i'm accepted
0: says in 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul writes, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. Would you pray with me as we give thanks for this bread? Lord, we thank you for these little pieces of bread that remind us of Jesus' sacrificial death for us. That he himself became sinful so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you that you were willing to take our place on the cross, take our punishment, take the penalty for sin for us. As we eat this little piece of bread, we remember what you did for us on the cross when you offered your body for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't already, just take that little piece off. Take the bread. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. There's a secondary tab which will open and reveal the juice. It says, in the same way he took the cup after supper. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink of cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us remember the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for our sins. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for the cup which reminds us of the blood of Christ. That we are here today forgiven because Christ's life was poured out for us. And we in turn now offer our lives to you. We offer whatever we can that you could use it for your glory. Lord, have access to our finances. Have access to our calendars. Have access to the natural abilities and talents that you've endowed us with. Have access, Lord. Come in and sign in and, and take over and use them for your glory. And I pray this summer, Lord, That through the collective service of the church, new life, that people would see the gospel in action as we love each other and as we love our community. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Sing with us, Amazing Love. Amazing Love. That you, my King, would die for me Amazing love, I know it's true And it's my joy to
0: within us, is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Any questions, please contact us. Reach out to us. Talk to us at the welcome table. But we look forward to participating together in the mission of Jesus this summer. Have a great week.